Welcome back to the show, everybody. You're listening to Firearms Cafe. I'm your host, Tony Brown. Today is Sunday, the 1st of August, 2010. On previous shows, I talked about the uh, Arizona immigration bill, Senate Bill 1070, and kind of what that did and what it meant. I also talked a little bit about, and I, I actually did a show on constitutional carry here in Arizona and, and went over what that entails and what it actually means and not necessarily what you're going to hear in the media or in the newspapers. Now, one of the things that I talked about was that I felt that because there is going to be so much focus on the uh, immigration bill that the uh, constitutional carry would kind of get a back seat, would take a little bit of a back seat. And that you're not going to hear too much about that because what's going to be deemed more newsworthy is going to be the immigration bill because they can play up the race card. They can do all sorts of things with that. With the concealed carry law, and I should say the constitutional carry law, it's really, when you look at it maybe from kind of what the media can whip up, it's sort of a one-trick pony, and it's been done over and over again. And what we'll do is I'll, I'll uh, go over some of the stuff that was written in the paper about it, but as I kind of as I predicted, and again, this isn't any great mental feat to predict that this would happen. I've got the uh, Arizona Republic paper uh, dated Thursday, July 29th of 2010. And of course, on the front page is the ruling that uh, the federal judge sent down and um, basically saying that it, it, it's blocking several things. So you're going to hear me flipping the paper around here. So, um, basically, there are four key parts, and this is according to the Republic. Now, I haven't done a lot of research on this. Um, there will be an appeal, and I know the governor has, uh, by this time, has fired an appeal. How quickly that's going to be heard, I don't know. Uh, basically, you've got um, four... Again, four key parts, immigration status, the law says, or 1070 said, that police must check. Now, again, so I'm just going to read this before I'll do the commentary on it. Um, the judge ruled that said that this would burden federal resources and legal immigrants who are detained on, the docu on documentation. The law makes failure to carry immigration papers a state crime. And the judge says, well, the, uh, the state is not allowed to regulate immigration registration. In soliciting work, it says the law bars illegal immigrants from seeking jobs. So basically it would uh, make it a crime for them to, uh, uh, to get a job. And the judge says that this conf conflicts with federal employment law, and then as far as removal goes, uh, 1070 says that the law lets police arrest people suspected of offenses that make them eligible for deport, uh, deportation. And then the judge says that, well, it's, that's federal purview, so only the federal government can determine who is removable. Now, again, a lot of this stuff, it's not that that those things in and of themselves are uh, 
have not been set down in federal law already. Again, 1070 mirrored a bunch of federal law. Basically, it was just making it a state crime. So again, we'll just have to see on there. I I, I thought at first that I would kind of go over a bunch of these points and everything, but it's, it's really, I think I'm going to go ahead and skip that. And what we'll do is we'll focus on what actually happened, which is that the... Uh, the constitutional carry was regulated to the kind of to the back section of the paper. It's actually in section B, and it's the top. It's the top story, but when you look at the paper, it's, it doesn't get near as much ink as you would suspect. Um, basically, what's on there, it's under the Valiant State section, uh, and the top story is, or the top section is, concealed carry law takes effect. But if you look right below it what actually kind of grabs your eye a little bit more is they're talking about a Jehovah's Witness Hall is being built. Um, and then there's another story on here about immigration. Uh, there's a story on a Whitman woman viewed 104 cats in home as family. So there's a story about a crazy cat lady. There's a thing about two pastors arrested in the abuse case. So again, we see that even though the concealed carry law, constitutional carry is up toward the top of the page, it's, it's really not getting a whole lot more space than any of these other stories. And uh, so you, you kind of see that it's really a non-issue. And I've talked about things before on that Arizona's had open carry. Um, and Arizona has had concealed carry since 1994 so it's been around for years and years and years and really nothing has come of it nothing has happened um to where you could really report on it negatively yeah there's been people who have had permits that have been involved in shooting but the shootings but the majority of those people have been found to be justifiable so what i wanted to do and i don't normally just read out articles and stuff like that kind of verbatim but I did want to go ahead and read this because in my opinion what they've done they they did present both sides but it seems like it is more, definitely more weighted and you'll see this it's definitely more weighted on uh, trying to drum up a little bit of hysteria and trying to put and maybe that's not the right terminology I'm looking for it's definitely designed to make you think if you weren't involved in, in activism or if you weren't involved with guns, it kind of makes you think, oh man, there's going to be all these tons of people that are going to be out there that are going to be carrying and, and nobody's going to know who. Uh, so let's go ahead and I'll jump in and we'll start reading this. And actually, before we do that, let me go ahead and take a couple of minutes to uh, give my contact information. If you want to contact me, you can do it a couple of ways. Um, you can, if you want to do, want to do a review or want to do a, um, a voicemail into me that I'll play on the show, you can uh, call me on the voicemail, and that's area code 206-339-3266. Also, if you, and oh, before I go too far, the, uh, the limit on that is five minutes, but if you if you wanted to leave a longer message, just call back again, and I can piece it together in editing. Um, if you want to drop me an email, uh, just a shout-out and saying, hey, what's going on, that type of stuff, 
you can do that, and that's at firearmscafe at gmail.com. I also have, um, I'm on Facebook now, and so you can do, um, you can go through Facebook under Tony Brown, or I've, all, I've got an Armed Ape page, and I'm probably going to set up a Firearms Cafe fan page today. You know, and I, like I've said over on, the, on the, my other podcast, I'm the Armed Ape, I'm not 100% sure all the, the subtleties of Facebook and all that kind of jazz. So I think I'm going to set up a page today. It should be up there by the time you guys hear this show. Uh, but if you want to leave a comment over there, uh, you know, that's fine. Or become a fan of, of Firearms Cafe, that's fine as well. And again, like I said, I'm not 100% sure on the Facebook stuff. What I'll try and do is maybe post more, some more links and some um, some photos of some of the things that I talk about. And uh, we'll kind of go from there with Facebook. But that's you can do that. Also, if you did have a review or you had some comments that you wanted to do for this show and you wanted to do, record an MP3, again, you can send that to me at firearmscafe at gmail.com. All right, let's go ahead and jump right in, and I'll start reading the article. Probably take about oh, five minutes or so, and you may hear the paper rustling. Hey, guys, I'm going to go ahead and jump in here. What I had originally thought I would do was read the article kind of in its entirety and then comment just kind of in general. But what I think I'm going to do is right after there's a, a section that I get to or something where I want to make a point, I'll just go ahead and jump right in. So it may sound a little different uh, or the flow may be cut up a little bit, but I think it's easier to do that rather than go back and say, oh, you know, remember when this guy said that because everything will be right there and in context. All right, the title again is Concealed Carry Law Takes Effect. The little subheading, Residents Now May Bear Covered Gun Without a Permit. And this is, uh, again, by Kevin Kiley. He works for the Arizona Republic. And the article starts, Today is the day gun rights advocates have had in their sights for a long time. Starting today, Arizona residents at least 21 years old can carry a concealed weapon without a permit. The change is part of a broad weapons law by state senator, Senator Russell Pierce, passed by the state legislature in April that eases restrictions on concealed carry and stiffens penalties for committing a crime while carrying a concealed weapon. The law is one of many passed by the state legislature this past session that go into effect today. Arizona joins Alaska and Vermont as the only states to allow concealed weapons without a permit. Okay, here we're starting to see the first thing of misleading or, I don't want to say lying because they're not really lying, but they're, they're sort of leading by omission or misleading by omission. They say that you, anybody who's 21 is able to carry concealed. Well, that's not exactly true because you still have to be able to legally purchase a firearm, which in Arizona means you have to be able to pass the background check, you, have, you can't be a felon. You know, all those things that we all know. So things, again, uh, maybe if you're listening for the first time and you don't know, uh, you have to be able to uh, pass a background check, which means you can't be a felon. You can't have domestic violence charges against you. You can't have a restraining order against you. You can't have been judged uh, or adjudicated mentally incompetent. So again, basically, you just need to be able to pass that background check as if you were, pa uh, excuse me, as if you were purchasing a gun. Okay, back to the article. However, the impact of the law is likely to be different in Arizona than in those states because Arizona's population is much larger and because the state has major metropolitan areas. 
Quote, it's one thing to carry a loaded weapon in public when your closest neighbor is a mile or five miles away, said Brian Malte, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, director of state legislation for the Brady Campaign, an interest group that lobbies for gun regulations. Quote, it's a very different situation when you're in a densely populated urban environment, end quote. Okay, a couple of things here. First, they say that it's going to be different if you live in an urban area rather than living in kind of a rural area or if you have larger populations. And on the surface, that kind of makes sense. But what does that have to do with anything? I mean, Arizona has a lot of rural areas and Arizona also has big metropolitan areas where you've had concealed carry for years. We've had it for years here and nothing you know, untoward or we haven't had these mass shootings or these riots in the street. And that kind of brings us up to the uh, the Brady campaign guy saying that it, it, his argument doesn't make any sense because he's saying that if you have concealed carry in a large urban area like, like a place like Phoenix or the next largest city would be Tucson, is that you're, it, it's so different than having like in a rural town like you would have maybe in Wikiup or something like that. But, and he's talking about just concealed carry. But we, again, we've had concealed carry here in large urban areas for years and years. The only difference is there was a, a piece of paper that said it was okay. So I, his argument just doesn't hold water. Okay, back to the article. But that lack of precedent makes it difficult to predict the law's impact. Opponents say that without permitting and training, individuals might place themselves in situations where they might break the law or hurt themselves and others. Proponents say that concealed carry is not substantially different from open carry, which the state already allows without a permit, and that the new law simply lets law-abiding citizens carry weapons in whatever way is most comfortable. The law has already created changes for the firearms community, local businesses, and police departments. It has also galvanized gun rights group to seek further deregulation. All right, let's talk about a couple of things. First of all, they said that their uh, the lack of precedent makes it difficult to predict the law's impact. And that's just a, a, a load of hooey. It's very easy to predict what's going to happen. And the prediction is nothing is going to happen. There's not going to be mass violence. There's not going to be shootouts in the street. There, people aren't going to shoot each other over parking lots, much like was said when concealed carry with a permit came through. There was all this doom and gloom and nothing ever happened. And it's going to be the same thing. We're also starting to see what I think is going to become a trend from the opposite side and that is they're going to start talking about training and how necessary training is because they know that the argument of saying that it's not an individual right and therefore certain cities and states can deny you uh, the ability to own a, uh, any type of a firearm. It doesn't matter what type it is, but if, because if it's, it's not an individual right, then it doesn't matter. Government, cities, states can do whatever they want. They know that that argument isn't going to hold up anymore because we have Heller, because we have McDonald. But what they are going to start doing is talking about training and that how in order for you to be able to exercise that right, so a restriction on that right, a reasonable restriction on that right, will be mandated training. I've talked before about how I believe that you should get as much training as possible. 
and get as much training uh, as you can. And even if you can't afford a lot, there are so many resources out there where that it can help you cross that mental bridge and to understand, give you some understanding about what it means to actually carry a firearm. There's DVDs out there that you can buy. There are um, well things like podcasts. There are things like uh, Tom Gresham uh, has, I think it's uh, Gun Talk TV. Michael Bain has programs on television. He's got Best Defense, and they talk about a lot of it, the mental preparation, and they show you things. So there are things out there that don't cost you anything that you can do for free that can at least give you kind of that mental preparation. So again, I think training is important, not only the physical training of going out to the range and doing things and getting classes, but also that mental training of knowing what it means and the responsibility that you have when you do carry a firearm. Having said all that though, and again, I've talked about this in previous shows, you cannot mandate something, you cannot mandate a certain action for you to be able to exercise or express an individual right. Because an individual right is something that you as a human have, not that you as an American have or you as a Canadian have, but it's something that you, by virtue of just being a human being and being on the planet, you have that as a right. So you have, uh, again, and if we, some people kind of get, because they believe in training and they think it's a good thing, they think that it would be then okay to mandate that as you being able to exercise that individual right. But if we look at it kind of from a on a, on a different perspective, if we so if we back away from guns and we were to say, well, let's look at at, uh, at the First Amendment, and if we say freedom of speech and freedom to redress the government and uh, peaceably assemble all that stuff, but let's look at it kind of from the internet perspective. If you, if training were mandated uh, mandated for free speech, that means that I would have to have some type of a license and some type of a permit to be able to put this show out. And furthermore, uh, and as you know, on not so much on this show, but I would welcome it for this show. But on the Armed Ape show, we I have people that will call in or do reviews, and they'll send that to me. Now imagine though, if let's say that I had this uh, mythical government license to be able to put out a show and if you wanted to do a review then you would also have to have a license to be able to uh, not only email me and have me read the email but if you wanted to do a review on mp3 recording to send it to me and if that were the case you would say well wait a minute that's ridiculous that, that what does that have to do with anything else and, and again it, it's kind of a far-fetched example i know but we can't have something that is a basic fundamental individual right be mandated or restricted by training because what you see happen is in places like Chicago and DC they put so many hoops and so many caveats and so many restrictions on it that it becomes near impossible for the average person to be able to comply with all those in a reasonable manner and so what it does by having so many hoops and so many hurdles that you have to go through is that you in effect are unable to exercise that individual right. Okay, back to the article. The law's passage is the culmination of several years of political maneuvering to ease gun regulations in Arizona. During her time as governor, Janet Napolitano vetoed at least a dozen different weapons bills, several similar to the law going into effect today, that would have eased regulations on gun owners. 
but Napolitano's departure and the appointment of Governor Jan Brewer in January of 2009 gave the legislature and gun rights groups an ally in the executive office. Brewer signed the law April 16th. Last year, legislators passed a law allowing concealed weapons permit holders to enter bars and restaurants. In Arizona's nearly 100-year history as a state, lawmakers have done little to restrict individuals' ability to carry weapons openly. Proponents of the new law argue that open carry has not had any impact on public safety or gun violence and that concealed carry without a permit won't alter that. Quote, it's really just a matter of preference, said Rachel Parsons, a spokeswoman for the National Rifle Association. If a woman wants to carry her gun in her purse, she should be allowed to do that as easily as carrying it on her hip. But opponents of the law say that concealed carry creates a different environment that could land untrained individuals in trouble. So again, we see that they're going back to that training thing. You know, oh, you need to have the training. If you're not trained, you shouldn't be able to exercise this right. We're going to see that over and over again. That's going to be the next big push, I think. Okay, back to the article. Quote, if a weapon is not concealed, you're aware of a potential problem and it's easier to avoid it. End quote. Said Arnold Rudley, a gun owner who took a permit course on July 17th. Quote, with concealed carry, the knowledge of a potential problem goes away and you might walk into a bad situation without knowing it, end quote. Now, I don't even know what to make out of this guy's quote. It doesn't make any sense. On one hand, he seems to be advocating for open carry, but yet he's taking a class to get his own concealed carry permit. But then he goes on to say that concealed carry makes more problems and makes potentially it be more dangerous. Well, if that's true, why doesn't he just open carry? I, I, I don't understand that what that guy is doing. And again, maybe they took him totally out of context. I don't know. Uh, okay, back to the article. The law makes several changes to the permitting process and rules regulating concealed carry. It removes a requirement that individuals have a permit to carry a concealed weapon anywhere that open carry is allowed. Individuals will still need a permit to carry a concealed weapon in bars and restaurants and to qualify for reciprocal privileges when in states that require permits. The new legislation lets individuals obtain permits through means other than the eight-hour training course mandated under the previous law. These other means include any firearms, NRA, excuse me, any NRA firearms or safety training course and a hunter uh, education course administered by the Arizona Game and Department. And, oh, man, let me do that one over. The new law lets individuals obtain permits through means other than the eight-hour training course mandated under the previous law. These other means include any NRA firearms or safety training course and a hunter education course administered by the Arizona Game and Fish Department. Well, that's a little better, huh? I got through it that time. It requires individuals to answer honestly if police ask if they're carrying a weapon. The law also allows police officers to take temporary custody of a weapon during stops. It stiffens penalties for individuals who commit crimes while carrying a concealed weapon. Now, one quick thing here. They talked about that if the, if the police ask you if you're carrying concealed, uh, that you would answer them honestly. Arizona is one of the states where you do not have to self-report if you're carrying a firearm concealed. So, so if you had your permit, 
Um, and what they did is they just kind of changed that around to where the police could ask. Um, I, I think I've been, since I've had my permit, I got stopped once for, I think I was going 35 in a 25 or something like that. And he ended up just giving me a warning. But when he came up to the door, I gave him my driver's license and my concealed carry permit. Uh, and again, I was not required to do that. I just did it because I thought it was a good idea. Pretty much I don't have too much to uh, say about what they were saying. Again, we see a little bit of a, it, it could have been nice if they had just added one sentence of, as long as you're legally able to uh, own and possess a firearm. The law's provisions have already reached into, fire, into the firearms community, local businesses, and law enforcement offices. Local companies that offer the training course for permits have seen business drop by about 80% since the law was signed, said David White, owner and instructor of, De of Desert West Firearms Training Center in Mesa. Many of these companies have either lowered their prices or created new shorter courses to get gun owners to conduct some training before carrying concealed weapons. Several instructors said that although they support the right to carry weapons, Without restrictions, they think gun owners should be responsible enough to seek out training, and I agree. Uh, they say that there are complex laws regarding the use of force. Without any training, they say, individuals could wind up breaking the law. Quote, I get people coming through my door all the time who know absolutely nothing about the use of force, end quote, said Doug Little, who owns and teaches at Arizona Personal Defense Institute in Scottsdale. Quote, it's important for them to understand the laws and consequences before they drop that thing in their pocket, end quote. All right, one quick correction here. I, actually, I had said Arizona Personal Defense Institute, and it's actually Armed Personal Defense Institute that Mr. Little owns and teaches. At the, uh, the main thing, though, with that is when they talk to the training people, again, I don't know how many they talk to. Um, one guy's business may have dropped off. I would imagine people's businesses are going to drop off as far as as doing the training if people aren't required to take it anymore in order to carry concealed. But what you'll notice, none of those trainers says that none of them ever came out and said it should be mandated that you have to have training in order to exercise your Second Amendment right. Not one of those persons said what they did advocate was respons basically responsible firearm ownership. Local law enforcement offices have discussed the new law with patrol officers, but a spokesman for the Phoenix Police Department said officers have not gone through any special training. Businesses outside the firearms community have also adjusted to the new law. Under a 2009 law, bars and restaurants wishing to ban firearms must post signs at their entrances to notify patrons. The Department of Liquor Licensing and Control, which distributes the signs, has seen as many requests for the sign in the past three months as it saw since the law went into effect in October. Kind of a quick aside here on the, the restaurants and the bars that have been posting stuff. We still see a lot of the, the actual things that are just bars have signs up that say no firearms, but you'll see restaurants that serve alcohol. And some restaurants, even if they don't, um, they had some signs up. But what happens is, is the people that carry, because there's a lot of people that carry and there's a lot of people that are pro-gun, they start contacting the restaurants and these places and say, look, I'd like to come in there, but I can't as long as you're, you know, putting up this sign. I'm not, I feel that I'm not welcome. And eventually the signs come down. So what I think is going to happen is 
we're going to see a few restaurants that maybe had signs before. Somebody's going to get a hold of them and, and uh, kind of scare them a little bit, and they're going to throw signs back up. But they'll come back down because people like me and people like you out there that are listening are going to call up those restaurants and call up those places and, and explain to them, you know, look, there's no... I was in your restaurant before, and I was armed, and you never had a problem, and, you know, and it'll be done in a civil manner, and, and uh, like I said, and it's not that difficult to do, so if you do have a restaurant or a place in your area that you like to go, and all of a sudden they put up a sign, if you're in this type of a situation, ask to speak to a manager, ask to speak to a uh, uh, the owner, um, if, if the manager doesn't have the ability to kind of make that decision, and usually you can convince those guys, um, uh, unless they're just rabid anti-gun. And then if you find that out, guess what? Don't go to that restaurant anymore. Say, we're not coming here anymore. The article concludes with these two paragraphs. What's next? Gun rights advocates see the new law as a major victory in their push to further deregulate the carrying of weapons. Some provisions of the law were removed as the bill wound its way through the legislature. Advocacy groups said they will pick up the fight next year to have those provisions passed. And that's the end of that article. So what did I think of that article? Well, all in all, it, it's not bad. It's not as, as bad as it could have been. Um, I know I'm, I'm being a little nitpicky here, but again, this is something that's very important to me and something that I'm passionate about. I thought that they probably could have done a little bit better job in really explaining what the law is and going to a little bit more detail about it. Uh, I also thought that if you look at sort of like that overall trend of the article, I thought it was much more kind of throwing the, trying to put the idea out there or throwing the concept out there that while you may have a right to this, it, training should be mandated. Uh, it's kind of what I got from it the very, very first time that I read the article. And as I reread the article and as I kind of went through it today to do the show, I still kind of have that sense. I, and some of you guys out there may disagree. Some of you may think, well, I'm, I'm being a little too critical. Uh, if you are, let me know. Let me know what you thought. Um, I don't know if that exact article was on uh, is online so that you could see it yourself. But I, I uh, read it verbatim, pretty much word for word. So uh, you can go back and kind of listen to it and stuff like that. And, and uh, I'd be interested to know what you guys think. Uh, like I said, you can leave me a comment either at uh, Firearms Cafe, you can call me up and I'll play it on the air at 206-339-3266. Or I've got, in fact, I took a little break while I was doing the recording, so I put up the Firearms Cafe fan page. And if you want to make a comment, uh, this is going to be episode, uh, I think, is it 43? I, I No, I think it's going to be episode 43. Uh, but just put, you know, episode 43 in your comment and leave a comment there and we can kind of have a discussion up there. And that, you know, I've got one other thing with this Facebook deal. Like I said, I'm pretty new to it, so I don't know if I'm using it to its fullest potential. I, I find it to be uh, a little clunky, and I, I, but part of it may just be unfamiliarity on my part once I get more and more used to it. But I've got a couple of people that are sending me these, uh, I don't know, like Fishville and Farmville and all this other type of crap. I don't, don't send me any of that stuff. If I, if I start to get in, inundated with that, I'm going to block you as a friend. It's because I don't, I'm not interested in that stuff. 
I'm not trying to be a jerk or nothing about it, but I, I don't want to have my time wasted with that crap. If you want to play the little Farmville or Fishville or whatever the heck it is, do it on your time. Don't don't get me to try and buy into that that stuff. So uh, I'm not 12 years old. So uh, if I if I keep getting those in from a few people, you're out the door. Now there also are some new laws that are going to be coming into effect, uh, and I'm going to talk about some of the ones that would would pertain to us more as uh, uh, firearms owners and Second Amendment advocates. Uh, of course, the one we just talked about, there's going to be um, constitutional carry, which we just discussed. There is also a, uh, I guess you'd call it like a preemption type thing. And basically what it says is it, it prohibits the uh, county or the cities um, or municipalities from enacting any type of laws or ordinances that would be more restrictive than our state laws. And that's that's pretty much in effect right now. Um, also, let's see if there's anything else. I'm looking at the paper here real quick. Um, bup, bup, bup. There is a uh, thing that's going to go into effect on October 1st I think this will this will probably get challenged or they're gonna the federal government is gonna say well it can't be held up but it's the um, I think Montana and I think maybe I think Wyoming was I can't remember who was the first it was Wyoming or not um, but they had a they did a deal where they said look if we've got a firearm and it's manufactured here and it's sold here and it's sold to an Arizona resident and it's not going to go out of the state then the federal government isn't it isn't allowed to regulate that under the Interstate Commerce Act. And basically what this says, um, uh, it's, it says personal firearms, firearms accessories, or ammunition manufactured in Arizona and kept in Arizona are not subject to federal regulation, including registration. So that's a good one for us. Uh, there's a bunch of other stuff that I kind of, some of it's good, some of it's kind of crap, but... I'm trying to look for uh, more of the uh, firearm stuff or stuff that would do it. Uh, let's see. There's a shooting club tax exemption, uh, which means trap and skeet shooting clubs used for educational purposes and not used for profit are exempt from property taxes, which is good. You know, if you listen to guys like uh, Michael Bain and and he and to an extent Tom Gresham, but I really hear Michael Bain kind of kind of uh, championing this cause is. If we don't have any places to go shoot, if we don't have any ranges to go to, it's, it becomes very difficult for us to become proficient with our firearms. So it's important that our ranges, that we protect those. And so that's a good law, you know, if, if that means that they're exempt from property tax and then they can't be taxed out of existence, uh, that's a good thing for all of us. All right, well, I think that's going to do it kind of with about the laws and stuff like that. Uh, let's see, it's about quitting time for the show, so I think I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, one other quick thing I wanted to add, I was talking about Facebook earlier. Uh, a lot of the other podcasters that are on Gun Rights Radio have uh, Facebook pages or and, and things like that, so go over there, check those out. Also, uh, if you did want to contact me through the forums, feel free to do that over at gunrightsradio.com over on the forum section under Firearms Cafe. Uh, we have got, we're just growing and growing. Um, I was listening to uh, Mark the other day, one of his episodes, him and Doc were doing that bar, 
dual discussion, which I like. Um, but they were saying that he was saying that that the uh, we're kind of the biggest thing right now as far as being a, sort of a one-stop shop for uh, the firearms community for uh, advocacy for the Second Amendment. Uh, and what's nice about it is. If you like my style of show, if this is the first time that you're listening and you really like my show, there's other shows that are similar to mine. If you are the first time listening and you've made it this far and you thought, eh, you know what, this guy really isn't my cup of tea, there's tons of other shows over on the network. So you're bound to find something that you like. All right, well, like I said, that's going to wrap it up for today. You guys stay safe and stay informed, and we'll save a seat for you at our table at the Firearms Cafe.